everybody, and welcome to the Enlighten Me podcast. You are listening to episode 46 of the show, and I'm your host, Mackenzie. I am super, super excited to share this episode with you. For this episode, I interviewed Megan Chance, and she is a fellow podcaster and also a new author. She has her first book coming out in February, and when I came across her podcast, I was immediately drawn in, partly because of the title, Faith and Feminism, which are two things that I love and I'm pretty passionate about, and I've listened to some of her episodes and think what she's doing is just so, so cool. She is on a mission to break down a lot of the lies that we have been told about women and about their role in society, and also she is working to normalize female empowerment, which I just think is so awesome. I was really excited to interview Megan, and we just had such a good conversation. I know I say it a lot, but I seriously learned so, so much from her. She really inspired me, and in this part one of our conversation, we discuss her journey with the topic of feminism, what feminism truly means, and how you can be a married woman and a Jesus follower and still be a feminist. We also start to dive into some hot topics like sexual assault, and next week in part two, we'll be discussing even more of these topics and things she's learned from interviewing some cool people on her show, and also what it's like to deal with a lot of the pushback that she gets from diving into some controversial topics. I think you're really going to enjoy the show today, both learning about Megan and her personal journey, and you even get to hear about a time that I flipped someone off, so that's pretty exciting. You might not agree with everything that we share today, but as always, I ask you to have an open mind, and I know that you will still be educated. Before you start listening, or while you're listening, I would ask that you leave a rating and a review. As you probably know, I'm currently donating money for reviews that I receive, and that's still going on, and I want to give away even more money. So please take the time to do that. I want to take a second to acknowledge someone who did just that. This review is from Nin Jumper. They said, I absolutely love this podcast, and I'm not just saying that because Mackenzie is one of my friends. It's so refreshing getting to hear about issues going on in our world in an educational but also fun and lighthearted way. I love getting to learn about small things that I can do in my daily life to make a difference in the world while also not feeling pressured or guilty for not knowing about many of these things. This podcast has something for everyone, fostering slash adoption, water conservation, ethical shopping, modern day slavery, and more. It covers tons of topics, so I promise whatever your interests are, Mackenzie has likely covered it or will cover it in the future. I can't wait to hear more. Keep it up. I seriously love that review. That's probably one of the nicest ones I've ever seen, and I love that this person also said that they don't feel pressured or feel guilty for not knowing about these things. And also, like the review said, if there's something I haven't covered that you want to know about, message me. I'm always looking for new ideas for shows. I have a long list, but I would love to add to it if there's something you're passionate about or just want to learn more about. Thank you again for that super kind review, and thank you for taking the time. It seriously only takes a couple of minutes. I'm not just saying that. So if you would take the time, it would mean a lot to me to leave a review. And if you don't know how, I even have instructions, so you can look in the show notes on how to do that. Don't forget to also subscribe to the show, that way you know whenever a new episode is available, like part two that's coming out next week with Megan, and also share the show. Share the show with a friend or with a family member, or share it online. The biggest way that you can support me is by telling other people that you like the show. Word of mouth is so, so helpful. All right, that's all I have for you before we start this conversation, so enjoy my episode with Megan. Okay. Hello, Megan, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, super excited to have you. Can you just start with introducing yourself for everybody? Yeah, so my name is Megan. Um, I am from Colorado, but I currently reside in Athens, Georgia. Um, And Mm -hmm. I am a author, podcaster, really just an author podcaster. Um, I have I host a podcast called Faith and Feminism. I started that um, about a year and a half ago. And as the title hints, so we talk about faith and feminism. And mm-hmm. I have my first book coming out um, February 5th. And Sorry. I'm in the process of editing it. So I sent in my uh, manuscript beginning of December and got my edits back about... Um, three weeks ago and have my edits due shortly again. And so um, it's been fun to be working through this publishing, I guess, world that I was completely unfamiliar with before. So mm-hmm. that's me. And that's right. Oh, and I guess on a non-professional level, I have two dogs and I'm married and I love to travel. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah. 
And can you tell us, is your book going to be called Faith and Feminism or is that a surprise? Can you? <laughs> it's called, yeah, it's called Women Rising, um, Learning okay. to Listen, Finding Our Voices. Well, that's the subtitle. So oh, the main title yeah. is Women Rising. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, it's, it, yeah, it's a memoir. Um, I was a missionary that worked with sexually exploited women for several years. Oh, wow. And it's my story of kind of being uh, raised in a conservative context that held women back in a lot of ways. And through meeting and hearing these women's stories, learning, I guess, to care about <laughs> injustice, but more than that, realizing yeah. That um, the root of these women's oppression was not lust or sex or whatever. It was actually inequality. And so Mm -hmm. when I discovered that inequality was actually driving the sex trade and basically all oppression against women, I got really into feminism. (laughs) And so now Mm -hmm. um, as a mission, you know, former missionary, I'm going to reclaim that feminism for my faith as kind of a dirty word depending on the context you grew up in and so mm-hmm. um yeah just reclaiming right. feminism for the christian faith yeah that's so cool and that's really what i wanted to have you on to talk about <laughs> is like what does faith and feminism really mean to you and i guess i want to start more with asking about kind of your faith background just so everybody knows whatever you want to share mm-hmm about how you grew up, um, what religion you were raised under, anything you want to share there? Yeah. So I was raised um, evangelical Christian, and it was pretty conservative. My parents got divorced when I was very young, around one. I don't remember them together. And Mm -hmm. it was my dad who we would see him, I don't know, every other weekend, and he would bring us to church because the church that we went to didn't really like my mom because she was divorced, even though they accepted my father, Mm. which um, probably Mm. was like, I remember asking my mom why she didn't go. And she told me, and I just, I'm like, Oh, okay. So like, that was maybe my first taste of like something's kind of wonky that my father's a divorced man is accepted in this church. My mom is a divorced woman, isn't accepted. And so um, being raised in that context, I don't know um, who else here has been raised um, evangelical Christian, but I also went through or was taught something called purity culture, which is basically your whole worth becomes from, I guess, remaining pure. And so they gave these horrible like object analogies about uh, girls' bodies being likened to flowers or suckers. And so like each time you did something Mm -hmm. sexual, you would get a lick on your sucker or you would lose a petal. And so you did too many sexual things then you would be a bald flower or like a used sucker and no one would want you so mm-hmm. um I was taught things like that growing up um didn't like of course I felt like because of that felt like a lot of shame about my body and yeah. tried to keep it hidden but just I think growing up a woman in the United States I think a lot of us go through a lot of sexual harassment, if not assault. And Mm -hmm. I had several times in my adolescence where I was assaulted, where a man would grab a part of my body that like one time it was two times it was a stranger, one time it was a friend, like just all of these times where I thought it was Mm -hmm. my fault because I didn't cover up enough or like that my body was dangerous and it made men do bad things. And it wasn't until you know, I became a missionary and saw that, you know, these women are being trafficked and it's obviously from no fault of their own, like Mm -hmm. what's driving them there depends on the location, but can be anything from just being, um, growing up in a village with very little education and, and being relied upon to bring finances to the family and getting tricked into the sex trade or girls are actually literally kidnapped um, from Nepal to India. That sex trade is, they are literally like kept by pimps that will kill them if they leave. And so it, it, it varies from place to place, but it was through helping these women or just basically listening to these stories that I started to make the connection that really what's, causing them to be there, like I said, is inequality. And so I actually got a chance to talk to the Johns or the the men who purchase women. And Mm -hmm. what I found again and again is a similar story. I mean, 
I obviously only spoke to English speakers and in, in contexts where the clientele was foreign. So specifically, I'm talking about the Philippines right now, because if you go, there's other like areas where the clientele is local. So I'm talking about um, where they cater to foreigners. Um, but I was talking to a guy who's from the United States. And I asked him why he was there because he had told me that he had daughters the age of the girls that he was buying. Mm -hmm. And he told me that in the United States, like women hate men and white men and they keep on like asking for rights. (laughs) Well, he didn't say rights, but basically that was what Uh it was coming down to. He, He felt like as a man, he was overlooked and undervalued and he went to by that, I guess, respect that he wanted. Mm. And so I kept on finding this narrative that the reason uh, men go there, a lot of times they have this idea that women are there to, I guess, fawn over men and (laughs) um, think they're really special and tell them about how special they are. And, Mm. And so they go and they purchase it because they probably have a lot of insecurity. And there's so many ties there because if you look at the way we're raised in the United States, with or without a faith context, there's a lot of messages about what masculinity looks like and what femininity looks right. like. And when it comes to masculinity, men are told not to express their emotions, not to be compassionate, not to be nurturing. And then mm-hmm. they're told that the only way they can express their um, their emotions is through anger or through domination. Mm-hmm. Like, And so they yeah. are dealing with their emotions and the only way that they've been told is acceptable. And so when it comes to anger, I think that's why when we look at, you know, these mass shootings or a lot of the violence or domestic violence, it's almost always a man because I think they haven't been taught to process their emotions in a healthy way. And then they were told, like, okay, like, prove your dominance. And so a way that they feel valued is to feel like they're over someone or have power over someone. And then when you get into Mm -hmm. the research of the dynamics of what causes sexual assault, it's actually all about power. It has nothing to do with sexual urges. And there's Mm -hmm. tons and tons of research out there. And so really, when we're seeing this dynamic between like, women being purchased or sexual assault or sexual harassment, it's not due to men having sexual urges because women also have sexual urges. It's because right. they've been told yeah. that they need to dominate and take over. And that's kind of where we find ourselves. And so when I had that realization, um, it took me several years of, of having these conversations for something to click. Then I realized that my like my church context growing up in a way that women were likened to objects. Oftentimes they were, you know, told like, uh, don't make like cover up your body or a man might do a bad thing. A lot of victim blaming um, that yeah. it wasn't too far off. I, these power dynamics, while obviously not <laughs> not so extreme in the church, but in some cases, yes. Um, I mm-hmm. think that's why we see a lot of sexual abuse in the church. Um, boys, right because of sex, uh, uh, power dynamics. And so I really felt like it was my call. I felt like God told me like Megan, like confront these power dynamics within the church, educate Hmm. these people who think they're, you know, helping, but when they're teaching or preaching that women are, um, subordinate to men, even though they want to use the word subordinate, they say that women need to submit to their husbands, that men, are always the leaders and women always are the followers, that mm-hmm. women are excluded from positions of leadership in the church. These are all subtle things that create power dynamics and power dynamics create abuse. And so that's kind of what I feel like God has wanted me to do. And so I'm still a Christian, though people don't like that. <laughs> I guess they. I've, I've had that challenged. People doubt whether or not I'm a Christian yeah. because um, there's a very much a, a cultural Christianity where if you're not, you know, hardcore Republican, if you're talking about feminism, if you like do X, Y, and Z, then people say you're not a Christian. But um, it's actually my faith in Jesus and my faith in God that mm-hmm. has taught me to care about justice, that has taught me to bring people from the margins in. And so I feel like my journey has been getting to know Jesus and my faith better. Some people would say that my journey has been taking steps away from the cultural Christianity that I had Mm -hmm. been taught. 
So I hope that answers your question because I know that was a no, lot no, that, of <laughs> information. Yeah, no, that was good. That answered a few questions that I had, I think, and I think just gives people kind of a picture of your heart in this journey. And I personally can relate to you in so many ways. Like, even though my podcast and my platform isn't outrightly a Christian one or a spiritual one, it's ultimately because of Christ that I do what I do. Like, I feel like if Jesus were here right now, mm-hmm. he would care about these things. Like, these would be the people he's seeking after because mm-hmm. that's what he did when he was on earth. And so I feel like you and I have very similar passions in that. And it's like, this is because of my faith. You know, it's not in spite of it. Like, and, mm-hmm. you know, if, if anybody cares about these issues, it should be Christians. Like, the rest of the world should see Christians caring mm-hmm. about people who are on the margins and people who are being abused and having their rights taken away. So I'm tracking with you. So I think it's super mm-hmm. cool. And <laughs> you've talked – yeah, I've seen – like I said, I, I've listened to some of your podcast episodes, and you've talked about a lot of really interesting topics I, I want to go rewind just a little bit and kind of just have you share, mm-hmm. b- because you like you said, feminism can be a dirty word, like it doesn't always have positive connotations mm-hmm. with it, even, you know, no matter how you were raised, like it sounds like a really bold mm-hmm. thing, like, I don't know, I'm sure people get pictures of women like, you know, not wearing bras and like marching in the streets, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, that that's, there's mm-hmm. so much more to that word and it probably means something different to mm-hmm. each person. So can you just tell us how you define feminism? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you how the dictionary defines it. And so <laughs> feminism is basically the equality between mm-hmm. men and women. Like you can Google it. That is the definition. Yeah. Um, I've heard people say, I don't like the word feminism because it sounds like women should be over men because of feminism or the word, the female word or whatever. But I just... I mean, I, I think that's a little bit silly because there's so many words that are, you know, based in male pronouns right. <laughs> um, that we're, we're, we're fine with. But so, yeah, so femi- feminism, plain and simple dictionary definition is the the quality between men and right. women, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And it's for if you're if you're saying you're not a feminist, a feminist, then I would encourage you to um, educate yourself on what it actually means. And then also, like, ask yourself am I truly about equality between men and women? And what does that look like? So as I've kind of dived into this podcast, I feel like I, um, so my podcast is interview-based. I interview experts, mm-hmm. um, I theologians, uh, doctors, um, professors, like all of the people uh, or most of the people I interview are experts. And I've learned so much. And so I knew that there was inequality here in the United States with women before I began, but I had no idea how extreme it was. Mm. And so um, it's in our healthcare system, for example, these are statistics that you can look up now, but a woman is seven times more likely to be turned away during a heart attack than a man, because all of the studies have been done on men's bodies and women's bodies haven't been studied. And our heart attacks look, um, our symptoms are different during a heart attack. Um, Where when we go to the emergency room for pain, women have to wait twice as long to get the pain medication as a man. And on top of that, they often say that these symptoms that we're having are um, psychosomatic. And so basically this idea that when we're in pain, it's because we're hysterical. And actually the root word of hysteria, it means it's like womb. And so it's it, it, mm. that's even based in sexism, that women can't be trusted to know what's going on with their bodies. We see that. I mean, I could really go on all day about right. like each um, area. for And like in the healthcare system, you even think about our birth control, for example. Birth control, like, I think it's great. I think it's needed. But if you think of all of the side effects that women endure, weight gain, uh, fatigue, uh, nausea, headaches, like, sometimes they're really extreme in blood clots. Like, you can have mm-hmm. really extreme side effects. It, it affects your sex drive. There's so many side effects that women have been dealing with for decades with birth control. Also, a man doesn't experience slightly less pleasure due to a condom. So we even see the way the healthcare system is set up. Like Mm -hmm. a man's 
pleasure is always put before a woman's pain. And so as long as a man's experiencing pleasure, then the woman is expected to go through all of this pain to kind of reinforce that. And so that's just the healthcare system. I could go into so many other systems. We talk about the justice system um, mm-hmm. when it comes to rape. Six and 10, no, six and 1,000, excuse me, six and 1,000 rapists actually face jail time. That means 994 mm-hmm. men out of 1,000 who rape someone, like they don't face jail time for that. And so even when we rarely get a conviction for a rape and they do face jail time, the most often sentence is like three to six months. And so we can see that like all of these protections are for men. So it's like we're we're setting the, the message that it's okay for men to rape because first of all, the burden of proof lies on the woman and Eve, she's not believed. And then we also have all of these rape kits that are just sitting, like they're not even being investigated, that are just sitting and sitting and sitting in police stations. Um, So there's actually a really good book about this called Know My Name by Chanel Miller. She was the survivor of the Brock Turner rape, and she really goes a lot into the justice system and how it's really set against survivors. And then you then you talk about, for example, the way our, our companies and um, are set up that we are the only developed country that doesn't have um, a required paid ma- uh, maternity leave. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy. So we're literally saying like, which obviously even feeds into the abortion issue because we're, we're saying, okay, you, you can't get an abortion. And I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. like, I think abortion is a very sad thing and should rarely happen, but we are setting up systems where women don't have a choice because if she gets pregnant and she has a job like she there's no protection for her right she can Mm -hmm. have a baby and she has that baby she can lose her job so what do you think she like what other options does she have um and so i think there's so many different things that specifically growing up in the church that we're taught like you don't you always vote for this one party um and we don't realize that actually there's for example, with abortion, like Christians are very, very against abortion. And I agree, it's a terrible and sad thing that has to happen, but they're not willing to dive into why um, abortions are being caused in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of times because we're not taking care of women because women have to pay, pay a high price for motherhood and for health care. And the fact, you know, that it's health cards even really hard to get. And so yeah. there's just so many like facets that I've begun to learn through learning about feminism. So, I mean, going back to your original question, feminism, equality between men and women, if you don't think, you know, feminism is needed here, like do some research. We're actually number 51 out of 180 countries. That's not all of the countries, but it's the countries they have daddy for 51 on gender parity. So there's like 50 other Mm. countries that are doing a way better job when it comes to gender equality than we are in the United States. And so I I think the church should care about this. And if there's obviously a different definite, I think really feminism has been demonized. Um, I don't think it's as bad as everyone thinks. Maybe they do get images of women marching, but hey, we have to march because that's what you do when you're fighting for your rights. So you think of the civil rights Mm -hmm. movement, how did they do that? It was was Mm -hmm. through marching. And actually, I would rather not wear a bra. So I guess those (laughs) things are (laughs) accurate. Um, I do wear a bra because I feel like I I guess I haven't broken free of that societal expectation. But if I'm home, as I am during COVID and basically all the time because I'm a podcaster and author, I don't want to wear a bra and I don't have to Mm -hmm. just because it's uncomfortable. And so I think there are a lot of things that come up through it, but I think it's up on us to do our research, find out what actually is the definition of feminism, and then try Mm -hmm. and say, okay, is feminism still needed here in the United States? And of course it is. It's needed in every country. I've been to 57 countries. Yeah, 57 countries. And I think I've been catcalled in almost every single one of them. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's everywhere. Like this, there's Mm -hmm. inequality between men and women is everywhere. And so I just think it's it's something that we need to address. And I could even go into um, the Bible and why the Bible calls us to do that. But of course, I don't know if your yeah. audience is going to be super familiar with the Bible. But um, I, right. I do actually think the Bible calls us to be feminists. 
<laughs> right. So, yeah. 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 I love everything you shared there. And I feel like, again, I can relate to so many of your passions and things that get you fired up. And mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, it's, it's something that's so interesting to me because I actually took a class when I was in grad school and I forget what the class was called. It was, it was like something like the history of education, but really what it was, was the history of the 1960s because that was all my professor was interested in was all the different movements of the 1960s. And so obviously the civil rights movement was discussed, but there were a lot of other movements that people kind of forget about. And the feminist movement was one of them. And it's interesting to me because I feel like we've come so far since the civil rights movement. And not to say there's not still racial inequality. Like my listeners know that I'm very passionate about talking about that. And we still have a lot of work to be done in that area. But all that to say, I almost feel like we've come farther than we have with the feminist movement. And and granted, it has changed. Like times have changed. And so has, you know, what women want and you know it's not the same as it was 60 years ago but nonetheless it's interesting to me that it feels like we've come so far in other areas and still not there like for example we had a black president and we've never had a female president and I find that really interesting so so yeah I I guess you know you said you could go into the biblical background and I also you know I'd like to acknowledge that there's listeners from all types of faith walks and, you know, spiritualities listening. But I guess I would just ask you if some, if someone asked you, like, why does this matter? Like, why does feminism matter? Why does equality for women matter? What would you say as to why it's important, both for Christians and just for, you know, people of all kinds of walks? Yeah. So, I mean, if we're answering that question generically, then there's tons of studies that show when you empower women, the whole country is lifted. For example, if um, they did studies in sub-Saharan Africa where they um, gave women, like they empowered women through microloans and other things. And when women are empowered, a country's GDP, gross domestic product, increases by 20% on average. So not only Mm -hmm. is it like better for the women, obviously, it's better for the whole country. And then on top of that, they did it. So all of these studies I'm talking about are based in sub-Saharan Africa. In some countries, there's uh, some extreme gender inequality. Mm-hmm. But another thing they did is they, when they gave these women microloans, they found that women reinvested 80% of that money back into their families, whereas men spent like 80% of it on themselves, like on alcohol, and reinvested 20% of it back into their families. And so we can even see that when women have money and financial resources, we invest it into the good of our families, and oftentimes the good serve mm-hmm. for our communities and our countries, because again, right. women have been raised to take care of others. We're pretty good at taking mm-hmm. care of others. Um, if you look at mm-hmm. women leadership, for example, like let's just even look at currently how the prime minister of New Zealand, a woman, Jacinda Ardern, um, is handling the pandemic versus our president. Like she is right. killing it. Like she, I mean, given mm-hmm. that that New Zealand has a much smaller population, but she was prepared and is handling it much better than our current yeah. president. And so um, if we just Mm -hmm. even look at women, like if you go to different countries, like there's a meme going around. It's like, what countries are handling um, the coronavirus best? It's women. Um, And that doesn't surprise me because not that men are incapable at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the societal expectations and the way we've raised women make them fantastic leaders because we're constantly thinking of others, of how to take care of others. We're not so focused on power and domination like that young men have been taught, you know, and we can be more aware of people on the margins because we kind of know what it is like to overcome and, you know, be marginalized. And of course, there's intersections of feminism. So intersectional feminism is basically the idea, the fact that there's intersections of society. For example, a queer Black woman is going to face a lot more opposition than I am because she is, you know, she 
not only is she a woman, but she's a black woman. And so she has to deal with all of the racial inequality that's going on. And then she has to, if she's queer, she has to also deal with, you know, stigma against homophobia, basically. Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely intersections of feminism. And I think us, for me as a white woman, one of the things I'm really passionate about is educating myself for specifically what I'm focused on right now is racism. And so mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of work to educate myself. Um, So I've been reading and listening to podcasts. A really great one I recommend is 1619. Uh, Hmm. Really, really fascinating and needed podcast to listen to about racial inequality in the United States from starting from now all the way back through when we started with slavery. But like really people Hmm. expecting racism to go away just on its own is it's just not true you have to be anti-racist because the systems that have been set up in this country are discriminatory mm-hmm. toward black people specifically and also towards women and yeah. so there's definitely layers of intersection that comes with feminism and so that's another thing I've been you know fighting for and a lot of the people I follow are black women because I feel like when I hit a hard time when people come against me when whatever. I go to them because they've been through it. They already know what it's like, how to make it through. Um, And I learn a lot from them. Um, So yeah, I guess I don't even remember what your question. Oh, why is feminism? (laughs) Okay. So that's that's why feminism I think is needed for the world. So we are talking about how women reinvest and, and also when we have more women leaders or more consent, for example, I gave the issue of women being returned when they're having heart attacks being sent home. Well, if we had more women doctors, they'd be Mm -hmm. like, Hey, like let's study on women's bodies, not just men's (laughs) bodies, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we have all male voices, oftentimes they forget to look into maybe how a woman's body might function. Mm -hmm. And so as a whole, I think that's why we need feminism. And obviously there's the gender pay gap. And then that pay gap becomes more extreme for uh, women of color and Latina women of color. Like there's, there's tears of that as well. But when I think why Christians need it is because I think that if you look at the Bible, I think it's a story of justice. And if you look at, (laughs) and Genesis, so Genesis is the first book of the Bible and people get their really, I think, flat ideas of gender roles from Genesis, which is funny because it says in the beginning of the Bible that, so for those not familiar with Christianity, there's, I don't, I, I personally don't believe it's a, something that literally happened, but there's a, st- a creation story of the beginning, which is, an mm-hmm. I think, an allegory. It depends if, like, some people have different interpretations. I think it's sure. an allegory of how creation started. But basically, there's the story that you've, I'm sure you've heard. Um, Adam and Eve ate the apple, and as a result, sin entered the world. And so when God is talking to Adam and Eve for eating this apple that they shouldn't have eaten, he's listing off consequences of eating the apple. And one of the consequences that he gives to Eve is your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And so before they had eaten the apple, they God's command to them was to rule and subdue together the earth. And then after they ate the apple, it's saying, okay, um, Eve, like your husband's going to rule over you. And that's a bad thing. It's a curse. They call, It's called a curse um, in the Bible. And so for me, I was like, hello, like, why yeah. are we still in the church? asking for these gender roles that are called a curse. The Mm. man should not rule over his wife. And I could go on and on and on about all of the, in my opinion, the scriptural evidence that men and women should be equal. But one other brief story I'm going to mention is Jesus, obviously Christians follow Jesus. Um, But there's a story of Mary and Martha. And they, Mm -hmm. and during this time, uh, extremely patriarchal culture. So we're not even close to the patriarchal culture that they had lived in. So um, women Mm -hmm. basically weren't allowed to talk to men. They weren't really allowed to go out of their house. And their purpose was to stay in the home and take care of it, basically. And all of their, all their worth came from being married and producing children. And Mm -hmm. so there's a story of Mary and Martha, who are two sisters. And in this story, Martha is prepare like the disciples are coming to their house jesus is coming to the house and martha is running around like crazy trying to prepare like cooking whatever doing all the things that she's told a woman should do and mary Mm -hmm. instead like lets martha go do that thing and she goes and sits at jesus's feet and in that time if you sat at a disciple's feet that meant you and you were intending to become a rabbi yourself and when if you Mm -hmm. sat at a rabbi's feet and jesus was a rabbi so the only reason mary would sit at someone's feet 
first of all, she's breaking all of her gender roles because you're not allowed to be a rabbi as a female. You're not supposed to be, even be learning or educating yourself as a female. And so she's sitting at Jesus's feet and Martha's like, what are you doing, Mary? Like, you can't sit at his feet. Like, you need to help me clean and like prepare because that's what we're supposed to do as women. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 Martha. Like, Mary has chosen what is better. And I feel like in mm-hmm. that one line. Jesus turns all the gender roles that we have been given up to that time. And he flips them on their head and saying, actually, you know, what's better? This woman who is defying her gender roles and believing that she can be a rabbi too by sitting at my feet. And so that is too, there's so many other stories in the Bible that to me point towards why we should be feminists and why we should empower women and why we should break through the gender roles that we've been given. And that's not to say if you want to be a housewife, go for it. I think it's all about choice. But if you feel like you're called to different things, you should yeah. have the choice to pursue those as well. So right. I think that's why Christians, the, the the basis of why Christians should be pursuing feminism and then just the world in general should be pursuing feminism. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, like for how many times I've probably heard both those Bible stories, I've never heard them yeah. told that way. So that was really <laughs> because, cool. Because, you know, who's told us those stories? It's old white men. And so, they're, of course, they're creating the yeah. narrative and the meaning that they want out of it. And so, there's actually one more thing. If you're, right. I, I might be getting a little um, into Christian. So, if you're an evangelical Christian, basically mm-hmm. all of the people that we say or we listen to are old white wealthy men. Um, and so, if you want to diversify, mm-hmm. like, who is interpreting scripture and what it means and what it means to them. Because right. The, as Christians versus the Bible supposed to be alive to us. We're allowed to like interpret the Bible for ourselves and say like, well, this is what it means to me. But there's a lot, there's a um, strain of scholars called womanism, which is basically black women who talk about their interpretations of scripture. And I've been reading a few books about from womanist scholars and my mind is completely blown. It like opens up the Bible in a completely new way. So if you guys are looking, if you're Christian, if you're looking, to diversify like the voices you're listening to when it comes to Bible teaching, highly recommend Woman as Scholars. Um, one that I love is Dr. Will Gaffney. Anyways, that was just a little tidbit if you're looking to hear the Bible stories in a yeah. new way and not framed in a way that, I guess, caters to white men, then check them out. Yeah. Well, that's really good to know. And speaking of white men, <laughs> I want to ask you this question. I think that's maybe another kind of stereotype or picture that people get in their head of when they think of feminism Mm -hmm. is that if you're a feminist you hate men and you said before that you're married and I'm married to a white man (laughs) (laughs) you're married to a white man yeah and so that being said like yes obviously a lot of our issues like you know it's easy when we're talking about racism Mm -hmm. and feminism to be like white men you know Mm -hmm. like And I know for my husband, he is definitely on board with talking about racial injustice and gender inequality. And so he feels like in this awkward place being a white man, you know? And so I guess I want to ask you, especially since you are married, how do men fit into this? Like, because you're obviously not, you don't hate men, obviously. And so, yeah, I I love men. men. Right, exactly. And so where do men fit into feminism? Well, that's a great question. So first of all, I know that probably everyone listening has heard that feminism is man-hating. And I'm like, wow, okay, no. I get, I get, so, okay, I'm going to point out a cultural thing that people may or may not be aware of right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, if you have noticed, for example, I'm going to take the example of Colin Kaepernick. So Colin Kaepernick is a, he's mixed race, I think, or he's, Mm -hmm. yeah, black and I think white or maybe something else but basically he is he's a football player who's taking a knee on behalf um, to point out racial injustice in our country all he's doing is Mm -hmm. he's taking a knee during the football field he's he's protesting the way that the black community as a whole is being treated and so Mm -hmm. everyone obviously when they saw this happen, freaked out. How dare he take a knee? How I stand at the flag or something. Yeah, I stand at the flag. I kneel at the grass was something that came out of that. And there was just all this vitriol directed at him. And Mm -hmm. for example, when we talk about feminism and man-hating, like a woman saying, hey, you're hurting me. Like, can you do better? It's like everyone's equating it to hate. And it's, guys, this is not hate. Mm -hmm. Asking someone to do better, ask is as Kaepernick is asking America to do better when treating people of color 
when feminists are asking men to do better treating women, what we're basically saying is, hey, we love you. And in order for this relationship to be functional, like, I'm going to ask you to treat me better. And if you think of an analogy of like, in relationship with yourself, say like every day, I spent my days just watching trash TV from sunup to sundown. And one day I woke up and I was like, hey, Megan, you need to do better and maybe do something with your life besides watching trash TV every day from sunup to sundown. Would that be hatred towards myself? Like, honestly, no. That would be me Mm -hmm. loving myself, asking myself to do better, knowing that I'm capable of doing better is a sign of love. And so when, when any marginalized community or any person that's facing oppression asks someone to do better, that is not hate, that is love. And so, Mm -hmm. no, I don't believe that feminism is man-hating. I think we have a problem here in the United States when people who have been oppressed or marginalized ask people to do better, we equate it with hate or that we hate hate America. Um, I love America. Mm -hmm. I think um, I love my country. Like, I would consider myself a Mm -hmm. patriot. I'm also continually calling out injustice in my country because I want her to be the best she can be. So as a Mm -hmm. feminist, yeah, I'm going to call out some things that the men in power, the systems that they've set up, not because I hate them, but because mm-hmm. I want you to be the best that we can be. Like, we can be better than this. Mm-hmm. And so for men, I think that, you know, it's really simple. How are you involved? How can you be involved in racial justice or feminism? I think both of it starts with educating yourself. I think a lot of times when we're in a system of privilege, for example, I'm a white woman. Um, I don't know what it's like to live as a black person in this country. So it's my job to educate myself from black voices what it's like. They're going to tell me what it's like to be a black person in this country because I can't know because I'm not black. Mm-hmm. So I have to trust their voices to tell me what's happening. The same mm-hmm. thing happens with men. If you want to learn more about feminism, read some feminist literature. Um, read about some things mm-hmm. that are happening towards women and educate yourself. Show that you're serious. Spend some time educating yourself on on the disparities and inequalities in the, um, that we have here in the United States towards women. Um, and then once you educate mm-hmm. yourself, hold your buddies accountable. Hold your dad who has these views accountable um take a stand use your voice and so for like what that looks like for my husband is he first of all listens to me when I I do rant to him a lot because I do like like Mm -hmm. I said from my podcast I learned so much right and I tell him you know like this is hard whatever and he listens to me and then without me asking I see him going out on his own and advocating for women um so he does that um on Facebook or Instagram or to his friends or like standing up in the workplace for example not currently he was a coder now but his career before that he was a chemical engineer and his workplace had a lot of sexism and he stood up to it and actually got in trouble from HR because they didn't like him standing up to sexism. And they said, because uh, he called out, um, he was part of getting women hired on the company or he was trying to get more women hired. And he saw that the hiring, the people who hired people were all white men and they had interviewed all of these applicants and the woman was the best qualified but they kept on asking in the interview but is she willing to get dirty even though the woman had said several times during her interview that she's willing to get dirty but they kept on trying to disqualify her because (laughs) she's not willing to get dirty um and so he actually reported that and so that's a simple way that like there's workplace sexism that's going on there's if you see something say something you know like it's you can run up to it and if, if if you so it's him as a man taking a stand, a white man's taking a stand, and he still faced repercussions. Imagine if it was a woman or a woman of color who had stood up to that. Right. Like, God knows what would have happened to them. And so we really do need you in the voice. And so number one, educate yourself. Number two, be aware of your surroundings. So like... I get cat called blessed when I'm out with my husband, but it still happens. But more often it's like these Mm -hmm. creepy looks like guys trying to like look down my shirt or at my dress or something. And so I started to point that out to him. Like that guy's trying to look at my dress because we, we, you know, we're always aware of it as women. Mm -hmm. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And and then like that guy would like walk by again. He's like, oh my gosh, I didn't notice that. And so like just being aware of that, like 
Oftentimes mm-hmm. I work from a coffee shop and I cannot tell you like the number of times I've had a man invade my space, ask me to take out my headphones, feel like he was entitled to my space and time all while like staring at my body. Like, so if you're a man, just like mm-hmm. be observant of that, watch it, maybe call him out and be like, Hey buddy, I don't think she wants to talk to you, you know, because it's, it can be hard and sometimes dangerous for a woman to say that. Um, I have stood up to right. men like that and it's turned out really badly. <laughs> Um, and where I felt like unsafe, sure. where I've been followed, um, where I've been like someone like yelled at my, like yelled at me, like I, we're just afraid of escalating the situation, but they're a lot more likely to listen to a man. So just be aware of your surroundings. If you see a woman uh, really uncomfortable with this guy, just like demanding her time and her space and being a creep, like call him out. Be like, hey, buddy, like I don't think she mm-hmm. wants to talk to you right now. Um, so there's a bunch of little things, mm-hmm. but I think it's mainly working to be aware of what women are dealing with on a daily basis. Totally. Can I say that it's it's not funny, but it's uh, ironic that you bring up the cat calling because that has happened to me two times in the last two weeks in my own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And like it hadn't happened in a long time, partly because, I mean, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. But two times in my own neighborhood while I was walking with a stroller, yeah. like men feel like, let me give her a honk and wave at her. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. So, so, so frustrating. And I, the second time, the first time I was like in shock, like I was like, are you serious right now? And the second time I was so mad that I just stuck out my middle finger, which probably was not the right response, but I was like, this is not okay. Like, do you really think that's okay to do? Yeah, and I think that what's really frustrating is like, sometimes I've confronted them like, what, it's a compliment. And I'm like, that's not a freaking compliment. You're objectifying me and turning me into an object of your sexual pleasure. That is not a compliment, dude. Like, I am a human being, like, do not treat me that way. And I would agree with you, like, I, Like I said, when I'm with my husband, it happens a lot less, but it still has happened. But I go on jogs Mm -hmm. and it's always some guy in a truck, always. And they stop, they holler at me. I have my headphones in and they demand that I like take my headphones out and talk to them. And I'm not, I'm not going to give them the time of day. But I've also been, one time I did flip someone off and I got followed for 10 Mm -hmm. minutes and that was terrifying. And so it's just hard because we don't know how to react to that. Sometimes you stand up to it. Like you can't encourage it. Like you're always trying to, um, Chanel Miller says in her memoir, we're like always trying to being handed a bomb and trying to dismantle it without like blowing it up. Like, how do we define saying no to a guy's advances if he wants our phone number? Like, how do we do it so he doesn't freak out? Because the the message is that men are entitled to women's spaces. Like the answer is always yes until we say no. But then when we say no, they still Mm -hmm. feel entitled and will get angry. And we don't know when it's gonna Mm -hmm. happen. (laughs) And there's not like a Mm -hmm. formula that we can decide, okay, this person's safe enough to explain, hey, I don't like this, please stop. Or like, do we just ignore it? So we're always trying to figure out the best way to handle that. And I don't think men have any idea what that's like. Like, I just wanna go on a walk Mm -hmm. in my neighborhood without being objectified. is that too much to ask? And it right. is. It is. And right. I, we live in a, right. a like a nice neighborhood. Like I, it's 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 crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think maybe at least fifty percent of the time I go on a run by myself, I get hollered at, and I, I hate it. But I mm-hmm. I should be able to run mm-hmm. in my neighborhood or in just in the world, you know. But um, that right. is there's an example of how um, women are constantly having to face being objectified whether that's at our workplace or going on a walk or trying to get coffee or going to a restaurant like there's literally nowhere it doesn't happen it happens from our medical professionals i had a chiropractor that i stopped going to because he said like really uncomfortable things to me and then like wanted to go to the gym with me to show me moves of like how to strengthen like and i'm like and i felt really uncomfortable with that and i stopped going and then I went to yeah. a new chiropractor and they're like, oh, why are you switching? And I was like, oh, this happened. And she's and always what I hear is like, oh, I'm sure he didn't mean anything by it. And so we're always even covering, oh, he didn't mean it. That, like, he didn't mean it like that. And they're like, actually, I think he probably did. And we're told not trust yeah. our own intuition. If my own intuition is saying, this mm-hmm. guy's a creep, 
like get away, <laughs> like trust that intuition. Right. We don't, we don't have, but we're told not to. And then, and then when we, mm-hmm. you know, push through and like, okay, he's not a creep and something bad happens and it's our fault or we're mm-hmm. told it's our fault. Like, why did you, why didn't you leave? Like, why didn't you do this? It's like, okay, like I can't have it either way because if I do leave then I'm told I'm overreacting, but if I don't leave mm-hmm. and something bad happens, then I should have left. And it's just really mm-hmm. a catch 22. There's not really a way we can win there. So yeah, absolutely. And I think part of that too is something that, and I, I don't want to say like men will never understand this because obviously men can be victims also. Mm-hmm. But I think something that a lot of men don't understand is that it is like part of that is coming out of fear. Like, It's not just, like, me being a strong feminist, being like, don't honk at me, like, don't objectify me. It's the fact that I don't know what that means. Like, does that mean you're going to be waiting around the corner when I go, when I keep running? Like, are you going to be waiting for me and try to get me in your car? Because guess what? I've had to call the cops on a guy who tried to get me in his car. Like, that actually happened. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's scary. It's not just, I mean, there's the statistics of, like, yeah, one in three women deal with sexual assault, like have been assaulted sexually. That's insane. Like, so yes, the chances are that it will happen to you. Like, it's not very good odds. But also some women have already been in that position. And so they are afraid when some random guy honks at them. Like, so I I just feel like that's important to note that it's not just like, out of wanting to be a strong woman and be like, you know, you can't objectify me. It's actually a lot of it comes from a place of fear. Yeah, I mean, it is dangerous. And we like, yeah. we don't know, like, there's, we don't know when it's gonna like explode. We don't know when he's gonna like, take us and murder us. Like, right. they don't have to be afraid of that. Um, right. Like, men don't have to be afraid of going like, if I've run outside of my neighborhood, and I'm by myself, like, so if I'm not with a friend, mm-hmm. I always take my dog, she's 90 pound German Shepherd mix. And I'm like, yeah, you want to mess with me now? <laughs> like, right. like but, but like, that's the only thing that makes me feel safe. It's not mm-hmm. is my dog, because I know my dog would protect me. But mm-hmm. the fact that I can't run as a woman and feel safe, like that's mm-hmm. kind of that's kind of messed up, you know, because we hear all the time of joggers getting raped and murdered. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not super uncommon. Right. So, I mean, when rape does happen, it's more likely to be an acquaintance. But like this news story, like there's news stories probably once a week of something like that. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so good, right? Megan just has a way of getting me all fired up, and I love that about her. I hope you feel the same way, and I hope that whether you're a male or a female, wherever you live, whatever country you're in, whichever political party you associate with, if you're a Christian or whatever religion you subscribe to, I really hope that you realize that inequality exists everywhere and that you feel enlightened as to why feminism matters to all of us. When women are empowered, we're all empowered. One of my favorite quotes is, the boats all rise with the tide. That means that when one of us do better, we all do better. And I hope you also realize that we don't have to give in to cancel culture. Just because we want something to change doesn't mean that we're being hateful or mean. We're actually being loving by calling people out, by calling our own countries out to do better. There's so much to take away from today's show. I know you may feel like you need to go back and listen to it and even take notes. I want to make sure you realize that I did take some notes for you in the show notes today, and that includes all the recommendations that Megan had for you. So you can view those in the show notes on whatever app you're listening to or even on my website, heartfelthippie.com. But I always recommend going back and listening to a show twice. I listen to the shows several times before they air, and I always catch something that I didn't catch the first time around. So maybe go back and listen. And of course, make sure sure you are subscribed to the show so that you don't miss when part two is available. There is even more educating going on in part two. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review, and I would love to hear what you thought of the show and if you learned anything from it. You can message me or even better, share it online and tag me. Again, word of mouth is huge, and I would love to hear what you thought of today's episode. I can't wait to hear from you, and in the meantime, continue to educate yourself on how women around you are being exploited Hold the people that are around you accountable to do better and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out. I can sleep at night.